When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Represented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DAN for a special offer when you sign up. That's code DAN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Excited to talk to these two folks, one more than the other. I'm going to shove Tony out of the way. I want to talk to <laughs> Lauren Dungy. Their new book, Uncommon Influence, Saying Yes to a Purposeful Life, is available now. Let's start with you, Lauren, because i got questions about the coach and the secrets to staying 40 years married to a coach. <laughs> so explain to us how football gets in the way, how obtrusive it is, how obsessive it is, how hard it is to be married to a football coach, no matter how much he believes in family, faith, and balance. Well, as you can imagine, football is demanding. It requires a lot of time, and Tony is in football 100%. Um, so... We have to really be intentional about our time away from football. So we all love football. The whole family embraces uh, what he does, but he does have a life outside of football. So there's that balance that we've established. We've worked at it over the years. And I think we've got a pretty good um, program, a pretty good formula in place. And that is um, that we support him. We're encouraging uh, with him what he does. But when he comes home, he leaves that behind and he doesn't bring it. It doesn't bring his work home with him. Okay, I need to know how this program was established because it didn't start that way. It could not that the program had to be established because football coaches have a hard time being present around anything that's not football. Well, you know, when we first got married, obviously there were no kids. And so the two of us were working together trying to figure this thing out called marriage. And uh, I had my career, he had his, but of course we were supportive of each other. So it was working together and achieving that balance. Um, I love football. I come from a family, brothers played football. So I, you know, was excited what he was doing and I wanted to be, you know, there for him, but uh, also realized that, you know, there was more to our marriage, our life, our relationship than just football. So we had to be intentional about including other things. And so he's supportive of what I do. And we obviously love kids. We have a full house, um, eight children at home and three foster children. So that's 11 kids running around, a lot of energy. And so we put a lot of time into raising our children and supporting their needs and what they like to do. And you have to remember, um, I was blessed to get a start in Pittsburgh with Chuck Noll, And he was different. From, from a lot of coaches. And he told us, don't make football your whole life. He encouraged us to get home. We, we used to get home at 5.30 uh, after practice on, on many days. So I just had that blessing of, of working for a different head coach at the beginning of my career, and that really helped. What is more draining, a football workday chasing around football players or having that many kids in the house? <laughs> 
Pratt comes pretty close. I don't know, Tony. What do you, you know, think? That's an easy that one. one. Uh, the, the you would say football players don't drain you near as much as the kids. Well, what are the practical difficulties in in running around? I mean, obviously, you guys love to share love. You guys love to give love. So, what are the practical difficulties in having uh, the responsibility of that many children? Well, you have so many kids, different ages, different needs different uh, you know experiences what they want some of them are introverted more quiet and want to do things with the family and then we have some that you know would like to just disappear at the beginning of the day so we want to um, bring them together we are a family we share each other's joys and challenges and we try to create a schedule so that we can encourage one another and we can be there for each other so it's it's that blend of working together it's trying to get the kids to uh, you know appreciate each other's needs and we as parents have to be aware of that that they're not all the same they all they have different likes and interests and so we have to recognize that and work with them on that and when they're young then they all want to be with you and they're around you and they want your time and then as they get older and they get friends and different things now you have to work with ways to connect with right. them and so uh that that's the biggest challenge i think when they get to the 10 years is trying to find ways you can keep connected to them how do you guys make the decisions on how many children we're going to have running around <laughs> or adding that's, uh, adding that's, that's, a, that's her call all the way <laughs> you know it, it really was something when we started early on in uh, our marriage we started fostering children and we once we made that decision to open our homes and make ourselves available to kids coming in, kids who were in crisis and they needed the love and support um, of a home, a safe home, while their parents got their help, we said we're not going to turn down kids. So we got a call in the middle of the night and we felt that we could open our home to that. Then we made that sacrifice and we brought that child in. So we've had as many as five or six foster children in a home some of them are you know short term some have been with us for a few years but uh, we usually do newborn to about age 12 and we always have god makes that provision for us so that we have the room and we can help meet their needs and some of them come broken and so we want to be available we want to help them and I, it would be hard for me to turn them down and say sorry you know we're busy we're going on vacation we make a way to help other people because we feel that that's what we've been called to do. And we want to be obedient to that calling. And when you're having a so-called good life and things are working out well, and you run across a family or a situation where there's some challenges, it's hard to just turn your back and say, well, good luck. You know, I'll think about you. I'll pray for you tonight. We really want to do more than that. And we feel that we've been blessed. We have, um, ample room in our house and our children are always open to having others join them it's kind of the more the merrier and kid people kid and say well you've got a football team at home and we do at times we have a lot of uh bodies in our house but it's a joy it's a blessing and i wouldn't have it any other way tony what are the greatest challenges with bringing home a child or children that lauren describes as broken or coming from a boat a broken environment i think getting to know those kids and find out what makes them tick what they need and and what can help them 
you know, with your kids, you have that history, you have that background, you know them. But uh, with a foster child or someone new in your home, you're trying to find that out right away. And, and it's hard because you have to know that before you can really connect. Do you ever say no, Tony, if Lauren says she wants to bring someone home? <laughs> yeah, I do, but it doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> no, I, I let her run. That, that's her domain. And if she feels like we can handle it, then I'm here to, to be supportive. What have you learned, Lauren, about the differences in discipline, in caretaking, in love with children that uh, don't start as your own? Every child is different. Um, some respond to a, a, you know, just correction, discipline by just sitting them down, talking to them. Others, you have to give them a little bit of a, a time out. And, you know, so I've recognized over the years that you can't just group them all together and what works for one works for everyone because they're all so different and they have so many different life experiences that they're bringing into your home. And as Tony said, when you don't have the history and you don't really understand what makes this child uh, you know, tick, what that personality is all about, it's just kind of working with them and spending in time investing in their lives and then it will come out and you'll see that all children want love and all children need the security of feeling important and feeling that their voice is heard. But beyond that, you know, it's, it's just trial and error. But the formula, the secret formula is just giving them doses and extra doses of love. That's what they want. And that's what they'll fr thrive and will uh, excel if they feel secure and feel that um, they're special and that they're counted and needed in that home. The title of the book is Uncommon Influence, Saying Yes to a Purposeful Life. Uh, Tony, I've asked you a version of this question before. How much questioning of your life's work did you do while coaching football, thinking that perhaps you were doing something purposeful, but you could be doing something more purposeful? Yeah, a, a lot, because you, you do understand that you want to do something significant. And yes, is winning Super Bowls, is making money, that, that's great. But is that what you're really here for? Uh, when I got fired in Tampa, quite frankly, Lauren and I sat down, we prayed for a few days. What, what is God trying to show us? Am I supposed to look for another job in football or does he want me to stay here in Tampa and do something outside of football that's going to be more significant? And we looked at a few things and um, we were, you know, thinking, that maybe God did have something for us here to stay. But Jim Ursay called from the Colts and he talked about Indianapolis and what his vision was and wanting the team to connect with the community and the fans and be part of, uh, you know, making India a better place to live. And it resonated with us. So um, you, you do, you're always thinking really supposed to do this going to be significant. Lauren, how hard was it to, deal with the days, weeks, months of Tony's retired now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that he's actually retired. He's kind of gone in a little different direction, still involved very much in football. Um, but after coaching for so many years, I think I was ready for a change. And I was ready to have him home more often in longer periods of time. So now he's here during the week, and then on the weekends he's gone. So it's it, it's um, it's good. We like it. We like we like this season of our life. 
let's give uh, some fill in the blank questions to uh, Lauren here because I oh, don't want to do this with Tony. I want to get into the secret inner workings of the football stuff. Uh, true or false? You have heard your husband curse in your home about one of his players. Definitely false. <laughs> Okay, so there is no cursing in the home. No, absolutely no cursing. Okay, true or or false, the angriest I've seen my husband come home about a player generally involved Mike Vanderjagt. Should we say true? No. There are a few others that uh, got some gray hair over and pulled his hair out over. So, no. All right. What what was most likely to frustrate your husband about a player's behavior? I think the behavior off the field. You know, the players are not just men that go out and win football games, but they represent the team in the community. And when you hear about someone that's kind of misbehaving and making some poor choices and Tony gets the letter or the phone call, it's a reflection on the team and on himself. And I think that was a little... Uh, frustrating to him and he realized that yeah maybe i need to talk to these guys again and let them remind them of their responsibilities and their calling true or false there was an occasion or two where tony dungy came home not believing how stubborn peyton manning is (laughs) (laughs) i think that's true uh the the time that peyton manning did you say i think i heard you say on the chris sims podcast that peyton manning tony one time ran a the same play 12 straight times against uh bill belichick and the patriots what was happening there take us through what was happening there we were playing them the first game of the 2004 season and we had this dynamic passing offense and of course coach belichick is always going to try to take away what you do best so i think he was daring Payton. he said you know we'll give you this front that you can run against but he won't run he won't keep running he'll get impatient and he'll throw it and i kind of talked to him hey we've got to do what we should do take what the defense gives us and they just basically gave us the same play and he called it and kept calling it and kept calling it. And I think that was a great lesson for him that um, if if people don't think you can be patient and they don't think you can stick to uh, the game plan, you got to show them that you will. Belichick was on, I believe, an NFL show on NFL Network where he was talking about how Ed Reed duped Peyton Manning one time into an interception. He was clearly awed by what Ed Reed had done. Can you tell us a time where you were watching the game, Tony, and you yourself were were awed by your quarterback, by how much he never... uh, I've heard the stories. He he hated to to, to play against Palomalu because you couldn't predict what he would do because Palomalu would just break a game plan the way Junior Seau was. What are some of the insights that you can give us into what you regarded as genius while you were coaching him? He, he was very, very special that way. Tom Moore, actually our offensive coordinator, would send in a play and, and send in three plays at the same time. Run if you get a certain look, pass if you get a certain look, and then here's the play we want if they're blitzing. And I'm listening on the headset, and I hear him check to this play against the blitz. It doesn't look like it's a blitz to me. Sure enough, the ball snapped. They blitz. He executed. We, we hit a touchdown. And he comes off, and I said, Peyton, how, how, how could you tell they were blitzing? How did you know? And he would just say, well, this, I, I looked at this guy's eyes, his body language. He was anxious. I knew he was coming. And uh, he was just very, very gifted that way. 
he looked at everything studied and he was always ready to go when the ball was snapped. What percentage of the time does defensive genius Tony Dungy not know when a blitz is coming? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I usually I think I'm pretty good at it. And I think I could tell, but there are times and people against us, they were always that you talk about Ed Reed and, and Ray Lewis talking to those guys. Hey, we just had to work that week to be patient, not tip things off, know that he's looking at us. We got to hold our water. And everybody tried to do that against us. But but Peyton would always find a way to, to find out exactly what they were doing. A lot has changed over the years, kind of like who's the best hockey team in Florida. But one thing that hasn't the great taste in Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Right now, the great debate is if my team will make it past the second round. We can find about this all throughout the series, but there's one thing that's for sure. I'll be yelling at all of you while drinking a nice ice-cold can of Miller Lite. It's my preferred light beer when arguing about sports with other people. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything that you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com beach, B-E-A-C-H. Or you can get it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lauren, how is Tony different In what ways is he different outside of football than inside of football? And, you know, you really don't see a difference. He's pretty steady, pretty the same. Sometimes he's a little less patient with our kids. (laughs) You know, they do the same things over and over, and it kind of irks him. And he's like, wait, didn't we talk about this before? And now you're doing the same thing. And I have to remind them, he's got to calm down their children. They're nine years of age. Um, They're not adults. They're still learning. They're still navigating through life. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty pretty consistent with his be- uh, yeah, behavior and personality. Sometimes my kids say, Dad, why do you yell at me? You don't yell at your players. Right. And I have to say, well, my players listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> do yeah. they care that you're uh, – How I, the age differences must make it so that some of them don't care very much or even know about your football coaching career, correct? That is so funny. We've got some young young kids, you know, 8, 9, 10, and they are always amazed. Hey, why does everybody call you coach? Why do they call you coach? And they, they don't even know that I coached. At all. And it's not – right. it, but it must be – football's still in the home in a lot of different ways right lauren was saying it's not oh, like very much so. yeah and you you pour you pour yourself into staying connected to all of that i imagine that has helped with retirement it has and uh football is all around they see it their older brothers played we've got two in flag football now and one in middle school football one high school uh football varsity so uh we're always going to games we're involved with football they love it. And they're always after me. Can you get these gloves? Can you get? Can NBC send some uh, swag for us? So yeah, we're we're a football family still. 
Lauren, what is uh, the most broken that you have seen Tony after a loss of any, at any stage in 40 years? That's a good question. There have been a few games when he's been upset and he's had to regroup. Um, probably, I'm sure there have been some playoff games that we just didn't quite make it and we had to go home and, you know, take go into the off season. The season ended quickly. And that was hard for Tony because, you know, you prepare, you work so hard and everybody envisions going to the playoff and then going to the Super Bowl. And there were a few games, I think in Minnesota, when we came up short, and the season was over abruptly. You know, you go into the game, you're excited, and you're looking to the next step. Where are we going to play the game? And what, who are we going to play? Who are our opponents going to be? And then all of a sudden, it's over. And and that's hard for Tony to you know, regroup and realize that, you know, we blew it. And now we're going to wait until the next year. The one I remember, Dan, that uh, was 2005. That was our best team. Undefeated first 13 games, had a great team going. And we're number one seed playing at home. This was, this is when we're going to do it. No doubt about it. And we played the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, and those guys came in. And we missed the field goal on the last play of the game that would have sent it into overtime. And when we lost that game with what I knew was our best team, that that was a tough one. It really was. Was, was it Vanderjack? Was is Va- it? is Vanderjack the one who missed it? Is it's Vanderjack who missed that field goal, isn't it? Uh, do you regard because winning is so very hard? Aaron Rodgers has won one title, but is winning one title with Peyton Manning is it the proper achievement? Is it underachievement? Overachievement? Like where do you land on? I had one of the best quarterbacks ever, but winning is really really hard. Winning is hard. And as I said, you know, the 2005 team was definitely our best team. I felt like we should have won it that year. We came back and won in 06, so we we only won one. But I was a young coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we played. We're in the same division with the Green Bay Packers. Mike Holmgren was probably the, the best, I mean, one of the top three coaches that I ever went against. They had Brett Favre, who was the best offensive player in football at the time. They had Reggie White, who was the best defensive football player in, in the league at that time. They won one. Uh, it's hard to do. It, it really is hard to do. So I'm just thankful and grateful to the Lord that we got ours. Do you, like me, marvel and are you terribly confused by the fact that Tom Brady is still playing? <laughs> I, I see Tom down here in Tampa now um, and talk to him. And I tell him that same thing. I've been retired now for 14 years and we had some battles. You know, back when I was there, 14 years I've been going, he's still going and he's playing at a higher level. I think he's playing better now than he did then. So uh, it really is amazing. If I had told you, though, at the height of those battles, you're not going to believe how many more Super Bowls Tom Brady's going to win than Peyton Manning. You wouldn't, like, there was no way for you to say to me that Tom Brady would be regarded uh, as empirically better than Peyton Manning by leaps and bounds because he's going to win six more championships than Peyton Manning. Well, and, and that's people's opinion. Uh, winning championships, I, I don't think, tells how good you are. Um, Brady's great. Peyton's great. Um, Troy Aikman's great. Brett Favre was great. Uh, I don't think you can measure them by how many Super Bowls they win. But I, I will tell you this, knowing how hard it is to win one, to win six or seven is an amazing achievement.
I believe I gave Tom Brady an extra one because Peyton Manning did manage to win one in what was the single worst year of his life. So he did get two. You're right that it's a poor appraisal by me. But if I'd come to you 17 years ago while they're both playing and said, how do you think this is going to play out over the years? You would have made the argument that Peyton Manning is the better quarterback, period. No? Yes. But... And I would have also not thought that 17 years later, Tom Brady would win another Super Bowl in Tampa. I mean, that to me is something no one could predict. But uh, he's a phenomenal player, and he's playing at a high level, and I think he's got a great chance to win one this year. Lauren, is it hard to get your husband's attention between 1 and 10 p.m. on Sundays? (laughs) (laughs) Well, between 1 and 10 p.m. on Sunday, he's not here. Um, But, yes, he's very focused. Um, and then into the game. So it's, it would be hard to talk about potty training or <laughs> what we're going to do for the afternoon after the games are over because he's solely focused on football. Can you give us, can you walk us through in the being married to somebody who has to be singularly obsessed, but you are structurally trying to force balance upon him? Do you have a story or family stories where you're at the table and you know he's not there? He's pretending to be there. He's trying to be there. He's trying to uh, be a balanced person, but he's competing against obsessive, crazy people. I have to say that that does happen quite often. I'll tell him about something. (laughs) I go into a lot of detail and he just kind of shakes his head. I wouldn't say often. No, it does happen more than you'd like to admit. And then I'll ask him later, did you hear what I said? He's like, No. When did you say that? So no, his mind is on football more than he would like to admit. Does he leave dishes in the sink? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. He knows nothing about the dishwasher. We have two and he doesn't use either one. What else around the house does he know nothing about? He doesn't know anything about maintenance of the house. So we have to call and help. If we don't, our house would fall apart. Uh, can true. he uh, can he work on anything around the house? Is there anything that you could get him to work on around the house? Uh, I think he's made several uh, attempts to help our kids when their cars have broken down or we can't get the you know cars started. But we we usually end up calling AAA to come in give us a hand now i have to defend myself oh. i can do some things i can cook <laughs> I, I can clean up i do clean up well you do yes i do I but, but I, there are maintenance and fixing things I, i'm not good at uh can he turn on the television okay or do oh. the streaming apps uh trick him absolutely <laughs> record games do all that yes wow. give him a for that okay that you've got that you've got down and <laughs> and and what is the thing over 40 years that you have not been able to make progress on illumination where you've been like you're going to continue to annoy me about this tony for 40 years you're going to annoy me with this i i do some things that bother long the number one thing i probably do is chew ice <laughs> She, she doesn't like that, but it's very soothing to me. So, And it doesn't matter how many times I tell him to get within one inch of my face and start chomping on ice. I want to read something to you here before we get out of here. Again, their new book, Uncommon Influence, Saying Yes to a Purposeful Life, is available now. And I'll ask you in a second why it is that you wrote it. But I saw you here because you do some stuff in Tampa. I saw you with Ron, De, uh, Ron DeSantis, and you were doing something on behalf of fathers, as you you often are. And uh, Deadspin wrote critically, Tony Dungy is constantly used as a prop by bigots.
it. Uh, and among mm. the things that are written here, Tony Dungy is one of the most important black figures in NFL history who has broken barriers on and off the field, frequently finds himself in problematic situations that impede the community that he intends to do right by. Those two things can be true at the same time. And then furthermore goes on, Tony Dungy is a man who has built bridges and knocked down walls and glass ceilings in the name of inclusion and diversity. Tony Dungy is a man that has obstructed progress with his words and his willingness to be used by conservatives to the detriment of black and brown people. Two things can be true at the same time. Certainly you've heard these criticisms. Certainly you continue to have your principles. Uh, where do you stand on that criticism? Uh, I don't worry about people's criticism. Uh, shortly after that happened, uh, I, I told people, I said, I've taken pictures with the last seven presidents of the United States. I don't agree with everything that any of them did. That doesn't mean I can't support the things that they do that I'm in favor of. If someone is going to support families and fatherhood, I'm not going to say, oh, well, they're a Republican, so I can't take a picture with them. If someone is uh, going to support families and fatherhood, I can't say, oh, well, they're a Democrat, so I can't be around them. Um, I, I just don't believe that. So I make decisions on what I think is best, and I don't really worry about what, what other people think. Do you recuse yourself in any of these instances? Like, how do you balance the idea that in this political climate, it's a little more bigoted than usual? It's a little more polarizing than usual that you could be advocating for your things, but you could be uh, used as a prop by somebody who wants to use you as a prop for their things? Well, everybody does that and everything is political. Um, I had a great conversation quite a while ago with Colin Powell. I was on a panel with him and I said, oh, General Powell, we need you to run for president. You, we, our country needs you. And you know what he told me? He said, I won't, because right now I can say something, and if people think it's a good idea, they'll say, man, that Colin Powell, that's a good idea. As soon as I run for president, half the people have to think it's a bad idea, no matter what, because they don't agree with my party. So I'm, I'm better off not running. And I think that's where, where we are with politics. Everybody wants to make it political. It's my side or your side. And uh, I just don't believe in that. Lauren, the process of writing this book collaboratively, what was it like? Uh, what was hard about it? What was easy about it? Uh, and why did you do it? Well, this is our third book um, that we've co-authored. And this book was written because we wanted to influence people. And we wanted to remind them that everyone has a platform and um, they can use their voice. They can use their actions to influence people in a positive way. So whether your influence is in a small environment, like your home, your community, or workplace, we all have that ability to influence people. Mm -hmm. And we felt that uh, we wanted to remind and encourage people, use your influence to help make this world a better place. And um, many times we think, well, we're not qualified. I don't have a platform, but we all do. So it was important to do that. And we thought the best way to do that was to divide chapters up. So you heard from Tony, you heard from me on certain uh, chapters that I, maybe I was more passionate about. And together, we think we have uh, good information, some practical tips that will encourage uh, people to get involved and to use their platform to help other people. Tony, relationship advice on the way out the door. How uh, the key to a successful uh, marriage of four decades? Uh, I think for us, it's uh, keeping our focus on Christ. Uh, two people totally different, 
uh, trying to come together and be one unit. And you're always going to have disagreements, but if you stay focused on the guideposts and, and we let Jesus be our guidepost, that kept us together for 40 years. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Appreciate that you guys always appreciate the time. Appreciate the man you are. And it was lovely to meet you, Lauren, for the first time. Thank, thank you. you uh, thank you for spending this time with us. Absolutely. Great thank to you. Be with you. Thanks for having us on the show, Dan. A lot has changed over the years, kind of like who's the best hockey team in Florida. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste in Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Right now, the great debate is if my team will make it past the second round. We can find about this all throughout the series, but there's one thing that's for sure. I'll be yelling at all of you while drinking a nice ice-cold can of Miller Lite. It's my preferred light beer when arguing about sports with other people. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything that you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com beach, B-E-A-C-H. Or you can get it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer.